Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone, and welcome to the screened porch, another beautiful day. I have to say, I was out tending to a dear client's garden. It was rather laborious, and it was very steep terrain, so I am rather tired from the experience, but sitting comfortably now, and it's so nice to have you joining me. I look forward to adding my inside plants out here on the screen porch. I'm curious how many of you do the same. Take some of your indoor plants and bring them outside for the growing season. You can email me at askmarystone at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your stories. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? Bringing them outside. How fun to hear how many adore Charlie Mackesy's book we spoke about in the last episode. In fact, I heard from my very first design client who became a friend, Judy from Morristown, New Jersey, who writes, I can't believe you referenced the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. I love that book. I heard the story on CBS Sunday morning and bought the book earlier in the year. I adore it too, Judy. For kids and big kids just like us. Sending big love, Mary. There's a story about a forest pansy of hope inspired by Judy and her family in episode 21. I invite you to tune into that. I think you will really find that story very, very, very heartwarming. A bit of news on my family of foxes, I have to say. One of the pups was snagged by a hawk. We found evidence of feathers in the den. It made our hearts heavy. But the other two are being well protected by their mama. And Kurt saw the papa fox coming by. I had not realized this until researching it, that red fox is made for life, which is also heartwarming, isn't it? Of course, it's sad to lose a pup, but it's the cycle of nature, the cycle of life. Perhaps the hawk has mouths to feed, too. Kurt said. Yes, indeed, the cycle of life. So today we're going to talk about the mysteries of trees that revert, specifically a weeping cherry that sprouted a funky haircut. But reversions happen with many plants. And I learned something new that I look forward to sharing. The column is titled Reverting Weeping Cherry, and it starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. What's this about trees reverting back to their roots? Marcia from Columbia, New Jersey, sent a photo of her pink flowering weeping cherry. There are two large branches with pure white blossoms. The tree looked like it had a spiky haircut, as the white branches are sticking up while the rest of the tree is gracefully weeping. Should I cut the straight branches now? she asked. Weeping cherry are often top-grafted trees. The weeping part of the tree, the scion, is grafted onto the rootstock, of what the trade calls a standard, a single trunk, that is, to create the umbrella-like shape. Marsha's tree rootstock is likely from a white flowering cherry. But before pruning a weeping cherry, I read you need to confirm if it's a natural or a grafted tree by looking for the graft knot on the trunk. Typically, it's just below or about a foot under the crown, which is the branches of the tree. But I thought all weeping cherries were grafted, so I was totally stumped by this. So on with the research cap. 
My favorite nurseryman, Ben Jansen in Florida, New York, said the reversion might be due to a poorly done graft or one that didn't take well. He explained that the commonly sold Weeping Higgin Flowering Cherry, which is Prunus subertella pendula, is the hardier stock of the Sargent Cherry, the trunk of a Yushina Cherry, and the canopy of a Higgin Cherry. Wow, I had no idea there was three parts to the tree. My goodness. And I learned if there's more than two parts involved in a graft, the middle piece, in this case the trunk of the Yoshina cherry, is called the interstock. So there you go. Learning, learning. <laughs> ben suggested I reach out to J. Frank Schmidt and Sons in Boring, Oregon, a wholesale grower well known for introducing new plants, to find out what naturally grown weeping cherry is, because he was kind of stumped too. Nancy Buley, their communications director, kindly gave me a crash course on how weeping cherry and other weeping trees are grown. It really was so interesting. She spent quite a bit of time with me. I took copious notes and much of it was a bit over my head, but it was so sweet of her because she was explaining things in layman's terms. She explained that weeping trees weep because they don't have apical dominance that makes plants stand upright. Essentially, they'd scramble on the ground if not trained to grow upright before weeping. A natural weeping cherry, rather than grafted, grows on its own root, rather than rootstock of another cherry tree, she explained. But when you think about it, we unnaturally get it to stand alone by staking it at whatever height we wish for it to weep. And we both chuckled at the irony of that, you know, calling it a natural weeping cherry, but it's not very natural to train it to stand upright. But certainly it makes a beautiful, beautiful tree. Naturally grown weeping cherry will not revert. The upward growing branches will eventually arc down, and if you prune them off, the tree will lose its weeping shape. So let them be. So that is why it was important to find out if it was a naturally grown weeping cherry or whether it was grafted. So in the case of Marsha's tree, it was definitely a grafted tree. So let me go on to explain. If it's a grafted tree, follow the straight branches to where they originate on the trunk and see if they're below the graft union where the weeping part begins. If so, when the plant is dormant in late fall or early spring, prune the straight branches off at the origin with a clean cut. Messy cuts may inspire more sprouting from the same wound. It's true if, with any pruning, by the way, if it's not a clean cut, it can often encourage disease or insects, and in this case, it would cause multiple sprouts, which is not what we want to accomplish, is it? If the straight stem is above the graft, let it grow to weep, because again, it's part of the scion, the upper part. Because a newly reverted branch or stem tends to grow faster than the weeping ones, it's best to keep up with it rather than wait too long, because if you wait too long, you're going to be cutting out a huge part of the tree and causing a gap, which is disfiguring, and it would take years to fill in. Regarding the length of the canopy, and this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine, although deer often have an influence on this, please do not cut your weeping cherry stems any more than six inches off the ground, because if you severely shorten them, it can actually weaken the grafted part and encourage the rootstock to dominate. Although, I can't really blame the tree. There's something comforting about returning to your roots. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com So there you go. I didn't have any idea that there were ungrafted weeping cherries. And it was fascinating to learn from Nancy, who was so kind and generous. 
Anyway, thanks so much for joining me on the screen porch. I always look forward to it. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have, please share the podcast with your friends so more can join us in the Garden of Life. Thanks so much. See you next time. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.